Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. Thank you all for joining us today. And we're recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent. It's Plainfield, New Jersey, in the United States of America. We welcome you all. We'll begin with our morning prayer. Yeah, I'm reading from Science and Health, page 14 to 15. Entirely separate from the belief and dream of material living is the life divine, revealing spiritual understanding and the consciousness of man's dominion over the whole earth. This understanding casts out error and heals the sick and will be deep and speak as one having authority. When thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father, which is in secret. And thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. So take Jesus. The closet typifies the sanctuary of spirit, the door of which shuts out sinful sin, but lets in truth, life, and love. Thank you. Also, a reminder, please mute yourself if you're making noises because it comes across very loudly. All right, Karen, the watching point. Watch number 104. Watch lest when you are striving to make a demonstration... And other students say, demonstration is all right, but you must take the human footsteps. You believe that this means to take some human action as a substitute for spiritual thought. Human footsteps should be the expression of right thinking, but they are effect and not cause. One cannot learn to play the piano without practice, yet such practice should never lead one to the point where the thought of technique dominates him and overshadows feeling or expression. When subordinate to and controlled by inspiration, technique becomes a means to an end. Science and Health tells us to study carefully the letter and to imbibe the spirit. Study is a human footstep, but it is of little value unless it leads to imbibing the spirit. Thank you. Okay, comments on that? Well, it reminded me of way back when I was first learning how to play guitar. I got, you know, into music theory and all that stuff, and it kind of ruined it for a while. I had to forget it so that I could just enjoy it again. And then, you know, coming here, learn, studying and learning Christian science, there was a question of how to put it into practice, but then, you know, with time, with little demonstrations, things build on each other, and then you're able to do it. So, I, I don't know, I just like that, that we have to uh, remember that, that all human footsteps, not just, not just the pretending of it, but the doing of it. Well, thank you. That's a good example. Everything is step by step. Yes. I love that sentence. Human footsteps should be the expression of right thinking 
but they are affected, not caused. I wrote it down on a card. Good. That's no. That's the essence of that. Uh, you know, I, I've heard it said a lot that we have to take the human footsteps. And my feeling, to some degree, is that that's because Christian scientists can sound so ditzy about things. Um, you know, that they're just praying about everything and they don't take any common sense action, so to speak. So, um, you know, like you, you, you do, you should lock your doors. Is that a human footstep? I don't know. Maybe it could be considered a human footstep, but it has to be backed up by the, I guess, the idea that God made man perfect and honest and upright, and no one could ever want what you have. You pray, pray like that all the time. You should be. And, and we were taught here that actually doing things like locking your doors and other things like that is what? Wisdom. Wisdom, yes. And it's also loving because you're not putting someone who might not be able to bear that temptation out of temptation's way. So it's, yes, wise and loving. But in this case, yes, it, what this watching point means, I think, is that, yeah, the right thinking is what's most important and not just all this other human doing which is kind of what Jeremy said, right? Yeah. But it, I know a quote for this. There's got to be more than just a quote. Oh, right, right. This, yeah, know? thank you. Okay, Florence? No, I think the human first step should be the expression of right thinking I love because if <clears throat> I'm striving daily to be thinking rightly, so right, right thinking is spiritual thinking, um, then the human footsteps will also come from that and god guides god guides and uh, our actions as well so i think it's mainly starting with god all the time thank you yes and it also comes down to motive i mean when i lock my doors at night or we lock up i don't know i know that that's not where my safety is i i am you know when it comes down to motive it's it's uh, where, um, why am I locking my doors? Well, it's, it's my safety is in God, not, not the doors. I mean, so it's, um, uh, it's all actions come from where your motive It's from, that's a God inspired motive. Then it has to be right. No matter how it appears. Thank you. Very mm -hmm. true. That's right. Absolutely. Well, and going back, I think Florence said it correctly. The human footstep should be guided by God, and it should be done out of out of love, as you say, the motive. If you love your neighbor as yourself, you will lock your doors at night. You will lock your car doors when you leave your car. You will do all this out of love. Ask yourself about the human footsteps that you take every day. How much of what you do is out of fear? Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. Oh. And if it's done out of fear, you know, not a very good human footstep. Mm -hmm. No. No, it is not. And it, it's not a lasting solution by any means. Who else wanted to speak? 
uh, yeah, um, this is Pilar. Um, <laughs> locking your doors. Well, yeah. Hello. I mean, <laughs> why wouldn't you lock your doors? And it's the same like me. I live in a in a city that you know is riddled with the with the belief of crime and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not going to go out on the street at twelve o'clock or one o'clock because it's hot and I want some fresh air. So my common sense tells me no. Put the air conditioner and wait until the morning. <laughs> Hello. I mean, it's right. just like. <laughs> well, and it's how can you best do what God has for you to do? That's really the test, isn't it? Yeah. You listen to God. I mean, before I get out of my apartment building, I repeat, you know, Christ goes be before me, Christ is behind, Christ is on my right, Christ is on my left. Christ is uh, above and, and below me, and he's all around me. And I go armed with the, the certainty that God is going to be with me. And, uh, yeah, but I'm still not going to whip my uh, cell phone out in, in the middle of a street where there are people by, passing by and have a phone call on the bus or anything like that, because that's, that's putting, I don't know, I feel it's like tempting uh, I think somebody said it before, uh, uh, out of love for the other person that might, might not have those kind of, um, um, uh, you know, the same way that we think. So you you protect them as well as you protect yourself. Yes. Uh, also, uh, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. You know, when, this, when Jesus was tempted, he was tempted yeah. to... Uh, uh, <laughs> You know, if if you think God's going to protect you, fall. You know, go. Anyway, one of the temptations was to test God's. If you think God's going to protect you, then do this. And and so he said, "Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God." Yes. Yeah, you don't it's, jump off the cliff. It's foolishness. Yeah. And yeah. Or angels fear to tread. Okay, Zary, Zary, go ahead. You're on speaker now. Yeah, I was uh, going about uniqueness too about if we're taking the necessary human footsteps of somebody else that it's divinely guided but also we have to think about where we live if I live in a place where it's okay to leave the doors open it's one thing it's another thing if I'm in a situation where that's not such a good idea or I have to arm myself spiritually differently and sometimes uh, this temptation business is, you know, foolish risk. So I think we have to have a, understand spiritual prudence a little bit better. Yes, and, and many times I was told Christian science stands for common sense, the CS, because... Yes. Um, well, and God will guide you. That's yeah, the God whole will point. Tell you. Exactly. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. That's yes. what I mean about the uniqueness, because... Um, what works for what God tells me to do might be quite different than what God gives other people. So Thank we lovingly understand this. Thank you. Right. There's Very no good. single formula for no. living your life. Yes. No. And that's really what this whole lesson is about, isn't it? Our spiritual sense guiding us individually. So our subject today is spirit and Lil the Golden Text. Beloved, believe not every spirit but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Thank you. And there was a lot 
on this one topic on the forum and also things that Carrie sent. And, and just so everybody is clear, what does it mean to try the spirits? See where it's going to lead you? Closer to God or? Yeah, Miss Eddie says, stand porter at the door of thought. Mm -hmm. T test the thoughts that come to you. Are they from God or not? One of the things that was sent to me from Carrie was, John says, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they have God. And Paul speaks of the discerning spirits as a Christian attainment. This will be better understood if we refer to Jesus's words to his apostle. Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. And it will be still clearer when we learn that quote, spiritual sight is the discernment of spiritual good, end quote, from Science and Health. When we are keenly alive to the demands of principle, there is little danger of our ever becoming the victims of dishonest men, which is really what we are talking about earlier. When you know God protects you in your home and you know there's no dishonest person, it's a huge protection. But that does not mean that, yes, you throw yourself off a cliff to prove that God's going to save you. <laughs> On attending a Christian science service for the first time, a gentleman said he recalled an experience of earlier years when he was a young employee in a bank. As many counterfeit bills were being passed at the time, he was greatly harassed by the fear he might make a mistake of them for genuine and thereby lose his position. On seeking advice from one of his superiors, he was told that he would never learn to detect counterfeits by looking for them, but that if he became thoroughly acquainted with genuine bills and the process of their production, he would be able to detect at a glance the most skillfully exec executed counterfeit. And... I can't emphasize this enough, really. This is why I tell you always study the textbook and prose works and the Bible. You have to know what's in these books or you can be deceived by false prophets. It's amazing how many people tell me, lifelong scientists, class taught, they've never read science and health from beginning to end. They've just read the lesson, maybe. They don't know the Bible studies. They certainly have never read prose works. You, you were going forth in battle, like totally unarmed. You, you cannot be so naive and not just read it, study it. It's a textbook. It's called that. And when you're done, read it again. <laughs> like, like the Bible, how many times? 74 times? Yeah, 70 sometimes. He read it th through, cover to cover over 70 times in his lifetime. And his life shows the benefit of it. He lived a long and useful and happy and healthy life. He certainly did. But, you know, the temptation is to Google things, to read magazines, to look at the error and, and the... Uh, Anticipate the problem. Yeah, the scales, the scale. So your, your scale is heavy laden on the material side rather than knowing the spiritual. 
And if you know, if you know the textbook, if you study all those things, this lesson tells you you'll you'll be able to know what the heck's going on really easily, right? <laughs> you'll have that discerning spirit. You will not be fooled. And that's true of what's going on in your life, your home, church, community, nation, business. world, business, yes. You'll know, and you'll know without even um, researching, because it's impressions will come to you to tell you. That's how Mrs. Eddy worked for the world. She, you know, she, she didn't have the internet to tell her what was going on in Asia or Middle East or Africa or anywhere else. The news reached her several weeks later. But she, her spiritual sense was so clear, she could sense when there was something that was wrong that needed to be worked on. He's relying on the all-knowing. Yes. Exactly. Mary Baker Eddy says, this is um, in miscellany, I warn students against falling into the spirit of Antichrist. The consciousness of corporeality and whatever, whatever is connected therewith must be outgrown. They are the falsities which include all obstacles to health, holiness, and heaven. Man's individual life is infinitely above a bodily existence. And remember, the human concept antagonizes the divine. So... The more that you study and learn of the spirit, the more you'll know all things that you need to know without having to delve into the history, be it past, present, or future of mortal mind thinking. In fact, the more you delve into mortal mind thinking, the more it will block the true inspiration that you need that gives you the truth. When the two are contrary, they are at war with one another. You can't mix them. Here's another. This is one is called intuitions. Um, there are intuitions and intuitions. So a blind following an intuition is bad, and all intuitions should be tried, whether they are of the truth or only echoes from mortal mind which, if we follow, will lead us into the ditch, where we shall be covered with mire. The presence of an intuition is not necessarily the presence of an angel. We cannot safely abandon ourselves to the guidance of intuitions while we are in bondage to the flesh, for the flesh can lead us astray. There is a better light, the light of which was in Christ, and which is the life of men. So... Um, I used to drive Mrs. Evans crazy when people say, well, God told me to do it. Well, maybe, but maybe not. And, and if it's a willful sense or, you know, it's something you want to do, and then you preface it with God told me to do it. Do you know what terrible trouble Christianity has gotten into because of that thought? 
especially when people can see how unwise the Christians are being. <laughs> so. Well, yeah. So, yeah, this is trying the spirits. And if you're unsure about what to do, then, or if it is a, if it is the voice of God or not, what should you do? In the, um, uh, in Eustace's book, he has a chapter on the false prophet. And in the very beginning, he taught, he refers to Mrs. Eddy's prayer on, in the blue book on page 61, where she says, Father, teach me how to still the clamoring of sense and fill my place as listener, that I may hear thy voice and grow to understand thy word and so become my messenger. And then he says, after that, God, man is the listener of God. And I love that. Um, that's what that's what we do. That's what man is, the listener of God, to follow his direction. That's so it's fine tuning that listening so that we're sure that when we hear God's voice, it is his voice and not <laughs> not something else. <laughs> Thank you. That's beautiful. Reminds me of what Kathy said. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um well and, and one thing I read too where it was talking about the sheep and the lambs now they are totally helpless right if a wolf comes or something right but the one thing they can do is what (laughs) yes yes they know they know their shepherd's voice that's their total safety isn't listen to none but that one they listened to none but that one. And there was a funny video, I think Parthens had posted a while ago, of these, was it, it was these sheep and these other shepherds calling them. Those sheep would not budge. Okay? They would not budge. But the minute their shepherd called them, they came running, running across the field. Do you have that? Do you know your shepherd's voice? And And again, if you feel you don't, then you, then you have to learn it, and you have to work at it. This was something else. Um, there is a spirit in man, but some men hide the spirit in gross and sensual excess until their bodies become corrupt and vile. Okay, now they're not going to hear their voice, will they? Mm-hmm. But other men make their bodies the instrument for revealing the spirit and for expressing the character incorporated in them. You all have that spirit, the spiritual sense within you. You either develop it and work at it, listening like the sheep, or you don't. And you keep not listening and not listening and not listening until what happens? don't hear it all. You don't hear it at all. The voice gets fainter and fainter and fainter. To me, this is one of the, the most important things that we have and that we can cultivate is that spiritual sense teach it to your children or your friends children or anybody you can teach it to mary asked a question a few minutes ago what if you're not sure that about an idea that's coming to you whether it's from god or not what do you do the highest right thank you if you need to do something, you do what you feel is the high, is the most right, and you keep your thought open, 
And if there's a if and if it's not the highest right, God will reveal to you what is. Is there comforting? <clears throat> no, sorry. <clears throat> just, just so comforting to know that God will redirect if you made a mistake. If you are relying on Him, and you may be heard wrong, He will redirect. Yeah. 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 There is a, there is a um, um, that article for um, God's uh, law of adjustment, and in there there's some uh, few lines that it says that God, even if we made a mistake, God will still redirect us and, um, and direct us to do what is right. Um, so even if, if we do something and we don't, we are <laughs> to the highest of our understanding and it doesn't turn out to be the right thing, uh, we have to know that God will um, eventually or, or immediately will redirect us to what we have to do. Thank you. Thank you. And and, and spiritual. Yeah. And, and spiritual footsteps. Mrs. Eddie ta- uh, Carpenter talks a lot about how Mrs. Eddie was never embarrassed or ashamed to say if she made a mistake that she was willing to um, redirect her steps and was never, you know, teaching that. If, if wisdom dictates you go in one or God, you think to go in one direction and you're always open to be redirected by God, then that's what you do. And she never made any uh, excuses for it. Um, yes. She was not prideful. She was humble. She listened. And, um, but, and again, yes, Carpenter speaks a lot of this. And that's the importance of this book, Mary Baker Eddy, Her Spiritual Footsteps. If you haven't read that, you should. It's, I, to me, it's the best biography of her written because it explains how she uses the science chapter after chapter that one year that he spent with her. And um, so... Very important. It's a wonderful. Yes, thank you, Karen. Over and over, he talks about hearing God's voice. Demonstration was important. You know, you couldn't fool her by human, just the human footsteps and no, no demonstration. So, um, yes, and that's why, and some of you I know were reading Discerning the Rights of Man. Think of the, if those books had been suppressed so that we couldn't couldn't have them. Um, thank you. Thank God for the Carpenters and for Reg Carey and Richard Oaks. Absolutely. Um, were you going to say something? Uh, Maybe not. No. Okay. All right. Well, so now let's see. Some of you wrote about false prophets. Um, Linda, you want to start? Well, just to boil it down, I think I realized that I was really focused on person when really God, uh, Jesus said to beware, which means be on guard and watch. And I feel like he was really saying, just watch the thought where it's taking you. Uh, it's not really the person. It's always the message. Yeah. And a broader interpretation of false prophets, including human systems, psychology, medicine, heredity, negative or apathetic thoughts, laws of aging, anything declaring or predicting as if they were God, that man is material and limited. Well, you see all those false prophets are all over the place. That's why, (laughs) yeah, instead of listening to them, 
Let's turn back to Mrs. Eddy and Christ Jesus. The studying is um, another thing I read, the studying of the Sermon on the Mount. Imbibe it, study it, live it. If you do that, your spiritual sense will be very attuned. And I, I love what um, Jasmine wrote, too. Prophet comes from the Greek word for spokesman, and that they speak on behalf of God. So remember that your life, your words are speaking on behalf of God. That's a sobering thought. Do they represent the Father? Are you obeying the Sermon on the Mount? Or is other stuff going on? Very important that you you keep keep in the Father's house and be representative of him. Because it's so, uh, well, so many people talk about God and they don't know what they're talking about, right? I mean, Carrie gave a testimony a few weeks ago about, you know, some guy talking about a punishing God and and then, and then people have this wrong sense of God and they reject God and they, they should reject that false sense of God. So we must speak on his behalf. Please always remember that. Also the sense, this false sense that God is somewhere other than really pre mind, principle, being present with us no matter where we are. So, it's so distorted, I think. If you see, you know, people crying, oh, God, oh, God, you know, as if he's yes. somewhere else. It's yeah. So kind of bad. Thank you. Yes, no, and this is, Mrs. Eddie debunks all this in the chapter on prayer. Because that is people's concept of prayer. It was certainly my concept. You pray to this God that's somewhere and hopefully he'll hear you. Thank you. Okay, Karen, what did you write? Well, first of all, I want to, I'm very grateful that um, on the, uh, one of the, gee, I can't remember now, which referred us to the um, Bible study on false prophet. I found that very helpful. So after um, listening to that, what came, to, uh, stood out to me was Mrs. Eddy's quote, Christian scientists must live under the constant pressure of the apostolic command to come out from the material world and be separate. So I said, to live under the constant pressure to come out from the material world and be separate must be the resistance of the false prophet to find happiness and satisfaction in matter. And then I, as mentioned in the Bible study, for February 25th, 2017, some of the descriptions of the false prophet were a teaching to despise authority. Behind one's actions are all self-serving motives. Promising liberty, but enslaving one to sin. Trained covetousness. Whatever appeals to one's base instincts, rather than turning to God for everything. And I love this one. And they will not connect the dots between the sinfulness of a nation to its national calamity. Then I gave the definition of pressure from the Webster's 1828, the force of one body acting on another by weight or the continued application of power. 
a constraining force or impulse, that which urges or compels the intellectual or moral faculties. And then I quoted from Science and Health, let us feel the divine energy of spirit bringing us into newness of life and recognizing no mortal nor material power is able to destroy. Let us rejoice that we are subject to the divine powers that be. Such is the true science of being. Any other theory of life or God is elusive and mythological. Thank you. Yeah, the, those are very interesting descriptions of the false prophet um, teaching you to, to despise authority. I mean, that can lead to total chaos, right? So then it leads to total chaos, and then they tell you, we've got the answers. The answers are here with me, which is the self-serving motives. Because a lot of the chaos that's going on in cities, or has been going on in cities, is, is due to this. It, it, is, it is manufactured, manufactured chaos. I saw it with my own eyes in Plainfield. It left an indelible impression on me. I couldn't believe it, and I will never forget it. And it would appeal to people's base, yes, their base instincts. You're so put on. These people hate you. This hates you. That hates you. You've got to do something. Uh, and every other people have more than you do. You see, it's, it's this insidious voice. And the only answer to all those voices is, is God and to know that the kingdom of heaven is within you and to teach people about this, God. But when this starts to take over, nations are ruined. And there's a belief, what is it, every 200 years? Yeah, that democracies can only last about 200 years before they deteriorate uh, economically and morally uh, when those who have not vote to take everything from those who have. Yes. Trained covetousness. Trained, Trained covetousness. covetousness. You, you should be miserable. Look what these other people have and you don't. Look how you've been treated. Now, if any of that did any good, that would be great, but I don't see that doing any good. It makes people more and more miserable and hateful and all of this it's all the human mind the only answer is in in god the sermon on the mount and maybe some of that feeling is justified again <laughs> the sermon on the mount this is why democracies republics they are based on that they have to be based on christian principles people have to behave themselves <laughs> they have to love their neighbor as themselves they have to follow these principles otherwise we will lose it yeah otherwise we'll the right understanding of god is so important because the only there is there equal opportunity for everyone thank only you only god only there and you there are many cases of people rising up in the worst poverty, you know, terrible things being done, but they've had some spark in them and they've risen up out of that. Isn't that true? And they've done remarkable things in their lives. No one is damned. God would never say that. So anyway, these are the false prophets and 
again, if you know the truth, you cannot be deceived by them. If you don't, then maybe their arguments sound pretty good. You start feeling sorry for yourself and yeah, and get involved in a lot of fighting and things that have no good ending to them. So thank you, Karen, for bringing that up. Um, Let's see now. Who else? I guess, is that it on the false prophets? Is there anything? Well, it is interesting how that 200 years thing was also true of Christianity after Jesus. You know, it was about that time. And then. Yes, 200 years. Yeah. And we're getting closer and closer to 200 years after Mrs. Eddy discovered Christian science. Yes. Well, it was it was Jasmine that wrote um, the Sermon on the Mount teaches the way to overcome personal sense in extraordinary detail. It shows the disciples the way to see clearly the infinite spirit in all. So. And what did Mrs. Eddy say about the Sermon on the Mount? Read once a week. Nothing else was enough. <laughs> yes. It, it's enough just to read that. It's very sobering because I'm, I don't read it once a week. I probably should. Um, very important. And th this is why in our work, so much of what we do is to get this out, get those readings out, get the readings of Science and Health, Prose Works, in audible, written form, get it out. It will do its own work. We do have it on the website in audio. That's true. We do. We have it. We have it. Audio. Yes. Could I say something? Sure. I'm so grateful that the website exists. And uh, when I was in France, that I could hear that Ronde read. And I'm also grateful that the Rika information is there from Dorothy and her husband, and all of this wealth of material that people can come to who and this is very very important and also in different languages so i'm very very grateful and um, i'm also grateful that plainfield gives another idea of christian science because um people can see that healings do take place and it's not just uh you know new age just feeling good about everything thank you Zeri. yes hello Yes. And I want to follow that. Thank you so much for all you do. Thank you so much for everything she said. It is amazing what it is blessing me and I'm sure all the other people that go to that website is just amazing. Best West website really. Uh thank you so much and thank you Gary for all the readings that you have you know, put the time on for us to be there. They are amazing. And thank you for reading the Bible lesson. It's so inspiring every time. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. You're, you're welcome. I was thinking, you know, the, our website is our reading room. Yeah, I said that. I Wisconsin. It's yeah. open 24-7. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was thinking about it because, you know, there's a, there's a, uh, there was a reading room for the church in Summit, uh, oh, New Jersey, which is where I used to go to, to buy supplies and books and stuff. And it closed recently. And I don't know if they've relocated. I don't think so. Or they 
but the the reading room was closed, as have so many other reading Christian Science reading rooms around the world closed. Um, you know, they haven't served the purpose that they were intended to serve. But with the internet, we can accomplish much more than what they ever could accomplish over the internet with our website. Yeah, and I guess we can get everything on the internet now, but we used to get our chalks, our markers, and, and a lot of different things, or even the books. Um, but but yeah, that's a sad thing. I just heard that recently. And we used to go to Westfield. That went closed now. Summit, I don't know whether that portends the closing of the Summit Church or not. But maybe someone can research that because I know I have researchers where the if the reading room still exists at all, if it's in the church. Um, people can't afford the rent and all that. And then they can't get people to serve in the reading room. And and so we get this out free. Everyone who comes here, yes, our 24-7 reading room. That was one of the things in the law case. They said we could not have a reading room. Well, okay. We're, just, we're doing just great without it. Figured out a better way. So, so try if you can. You can't blow our house down. Now, in the, in the Bible, Job the first citation there is a spirit in man and the inspiration of the almighty giveth them understanding and i've always loved this definition of inspiration think about it work with it when you've got a lesson to write or anything to do anything something at work this is the definition the infusion of ideas into the mind by the holy spirit Communication of the divine will to the understanding by impressions on the mind, which lead, leave no room to doubt the reality and their source. Everything you where is do. Where's that from, Mary? I'm sorry, where's that from? The 1828 dictionary. Definition oh, okay. of. Okay. Yep. Okay. So, there you are. Think of it, and don't you feel it when it comes, the infusion on the mind? It just it just comes, and all of you do it. I'm so grateful you get all these different ideas and things to do, um, and we can tell when it's the, the divine mind, the Holy Spirit speaking or not, because it lights us up, or if it's just something maybe not, but it will light us up when that happens. And I'm so very grateful for all of you. You've all contributed in many, many, many ways to this. But think of the history of the progress of mankind. Has, has there been ever been a step of progress in the history of mankind that was not driven by inspiration? Think, think about it. Inspiration inspiration is where every right idea comes from. And how could it be otherwise? I think of Albert Einstein, you know, the progress that he made in physics. Everything that he discovered, he discovered through inspiration. He never spent one day in a laboratory. He never watched matter. Yeah, he, he knew he knew God, and he tried to figure out, well, what would God say about this? Yeah. 
Yeah, thinker. The time for thinkers has, has come. This week, sometimes I get this pop-up from National Geographic, and they had a, something about all the inventions that took place during the Gilded Age. Hmm, I said, hmm. <laughs> so the Gilded Age, the late 1800s through like 1910. Hmm, hmm. It had nothing to do with the Gilded Age, all the materiality and money that came during that time. And all the inventions, what was going on, obviously, at that time? Mary Baker Eddy. Yeah. Mary Baker Eddy and her discovery of Christian science. Whole list of things like the telephone, cars. Electricity. Um, electricity, yeah. light bulb, yes. Um, even the airplane. List of all of these wonderful things that came at her time. And then after she passed, World War One. Communism. Um, so this is our work to keep this inspiration and to know anything that's needed will be um, will come and and certainly the internet is spent for our use it's it's the instant communication we're talking to people all around the world it's amazing I'm in awe of it mm-hmm. let's be used for the right purpose and so this was a beautiful article from um Mrs. John Williams, um, about there is inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. It has been said, quote, all have the faculty of intuition by which they can receive inspiration from the same great source of light and love, differing only in degree according to the capacity of aspiration, end quote. How beautifully this thought is expressed in the parable of the talents. One receives five, another two, another one. Should others then seem more blessed than ourselves? Shall we murmur at God's ways and think them arbitrary and unequal because gifts are not uniformly distributed? What more reasonable than everyone should receive gifts commensurate with his capacity? God is the source of all inspiration. True inspiration is the Lord's light in the soul illuminating his kingdom within us. It is even the lamp to our feet, which will eventually lead unto all truth. One has asked where the place of light is. I should say the solar center is the unvarying source of light. Stand then in the holy place. Get as near to the sun of righteousness as is possible. Divest your thoughts of earthiness and thus become a transparency through which immortal mind may find expression. Unless above himself he can erect himself, how poor a thing is man. So I thought that was so beautiful. Everyone, everyone has this inspiration. No one is exempt from it. Some just, you know, they can't accept it because of materiality, but that too will as we pray, our prayer is always for the spiritualization of all mankind so that they can receive, they can receive it. Um, you know, the beautiful daily prayer. And may thy word enrich the affections of all mankind and govern them. Say that often. I know it's true for everyone everywhere. It cannot be blocked from anyone. This infusion of ideas from the Holy Spirit. So 
Um, let's see. Let me make sure I got everything I needed to. Oh, well, and again, this understanding is not intellectual, is not the result of scholarly attainments, okay? Doesn't de depend on your college education. It is the reality of all things brought to light. Spirit imparts this understanding, which uplifts consciousness and leads into all truth. Just know it. I, I love each week now when we're getting different synonyms to work with that synonym, not just for yourself, but the whole world. And this spirit is such a beautiful one to think about and to think about that imparting its understanding. And because Jesus had it, he knew their thoughts, right? He knew, he knew what people were thinking. And again, I've mentioned this, but living under the apostolic constant pressure of the apostolic command to come out from the material world and be separate. People that have problems with pressure, this is their remedy. You were, you were, you were giving into the pressure of the material world in some way, whether it tells you human family or business pressures or just self-inflicted pressure. You have to come out from under that and be separate. And you have to have the courage to do it because sometimes it takes courage. Sometimes it takes courage to decline an invitation that you know isn't a right one just because of personal sense. So Eustace refers to depression. He talks about depression in his book, in Eustace's book, Clear, Correct Teaching. And he talks about it as the pressure of, you know, refers to the same thing, the pressure from yes. the material world. That's how he, I thought that was interesting. Yes, Eustace was another good one. Yeah, if you let the pressure yeah. of the material world keep pressuring you, you're, gonna, you're if, guaranteed to end up being depressed. <laughs> yeah, depressed. <laughs> and have other so-called pressure problems your body is saying stop this i don't want to do this stop it you're pressuring me too much <laughs> you gotta listen okay we have something beautiful that parthens wrote a while ago that i think relates to a lot and we'll do that now all right this is a article by parthens written a few years ago and the title of the article is god to earth god to earth come in please starts <laughs> out with a quote Quote, the mighty God, even the Lord, hath spoken, and called the earth from the rising of the sun unto the going down thereof, end quote. That's from Psalms 50. And then quoting from Judge Hannah's memoirs, quote, In 1898, when work had accumulated to such an extent that I, Judge Hannah, wrote Mrs. Eddy for permission to resign some of my places, she asked me to adopt a method of relief by taking certain hours each day for self-work, during which I was not to be interrupted by anyone for any purpose. She said that had she not adopted a such a course, she never could have accomplished her work. End quote. What is so significant here is that Mrs. Eddy did not advise Judge Hannah at all concerning his least action but rather called him to contemplation, inferring that seeking God first, seeking him more, was the chief clue to solving the mystery of accomplishing so many important, needful things efficiently. 
while he was so concerned about not having enough hours in the day to accomplish all of his God-given assignments, she called him to give up even more of those precious working hours to the God who worketh the works. She called him to go up higher. In surrendering more of his work schedule to the seemingly more counterproductive task of centering himself more in God, while concentrating less on doing God's work, the work would more than take care of itself, as so supremely evidenced in her own life. After Handel received the libretto to the Messiah, made up entirely of sacred scripture, he was inspired to take no action whatsoever, but instead decided to devote his attention to God for a season. As it turns out, Handel sat for three days in an altered state of consciousness without eating or drinking. He appeared to be so completely inactive that his servant, steeped in sense, became extremely concerned, thinking him dead. But thanks to a wise physician, no one touched him. Later, Handel testified that during those three days, he had been taken to heaven, absent from the body, present with the Lord, in a state of continual Christ consciousness. After that experience, he wrote the massive score of the Messiah in just 21 days. He never charged a penny for any of the performances, insisting that the work was not his, that he was only the secretary of heaven's musical dictation. God is continually calling me to surrender more and more of that which is earthly of me, that it might be placed under the rule of heaven. Therefore, whenever I am tempted to feel overwhelmed with the work that heaven has assigned me to perform, may God help me to interrupt myself, to consecrate every moment, every breath, from the rising of the sun to the going down thereof, to the task of surrendering, giving up possession of, a little more of the earthly kingdom of self-expressing selfhood that every surrendered portion may be in God's possession and thus translated into Christ-expressing selfhood. And may God also grant me the grace never to surrender the least particle of that now heaven-possessed portion back into the possession of the kingdom of self-expressing selfhood, that the kingdom of God may fill all in all. That's beautiful. <clears throat> Thank you, dear Parthen. He's still with us, even though he hasn't been writing. But <laughs> so, thank you all so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.